Welcome to the Apawa Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to find out more about our church, visit us on any Sunday or online at opawa.org.nz. Well, about 15 years ago, I moved to Canterbury with both eyes wide open, which of course marked me out as a newbie. I was immediately struck by the strong focus here on education and schooling. Not just being asked what school did you go to, which I was asked, there's more to it than that. I remember when Steph was um, on the sideline of Avonhead Park, a reluctant sports spectator watching uh, one of our kids playing football and she described it as she could feel the cold seeping through her shoes into her, into her feet and starting to run up her legs, and she said, never again will I do this. But anyway, there was this conversation going on next door to her, and you know how it is that people are having this quite animated conversation, and you, you just kind of tune in after a while. And it turned out that this conversation was about a maths teacher. And these Parents who were chatting had a pretty sophisticated take on this guy's strengths and weaknesses. She was intrigued with this conversation because as the conversation developed, it became apparent that not all of his critics had kids at his school. Yet they knew of him and they spoke freely about him. Curious, she thought, how do they know? Why do they care? And we also encountered the parental grapevine about all the local secondary schools. Apparently where our kids were going, Rickard and High, was now seen as okay, but had been seen as a bit dodgy back in the day, while Hornby High was simply dreadful to the point of dangerous, as was Linwood. Having been here a wee while now, I think that Christchurch has two types of school, good ones and great ones. But there was, and is, a very definite pecking order in play, at least for middle New Zealand parents. According to the grapevine, Rickardin's on the slide again. Shame. So too in the passages that were read out to you earlier. Micah opens with this prophecy of Jesus coming, saying, O Bethlehem of, I don't know how the heck you said this, Epaphrathah? something like that, yeah, who are one of the little clans of Judah. And later, one of the early disciples of Jesus, hearing of Jesus, and hearing that he was a prophet from Nazareth, said, can any good thing come from Nazareth? It's like saying in our time, can any good thing come from Timaru? Or can any good thing come from Ash Vegas? possibly. More seriously, I suppose for us, can any good thing come from Waltham? I sure hope so. Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, and Nazareth, where he grew up, were well down the pecking order of places that were desirable to live in, both small and unimportant villages. Jesus had obscure, lowly origins. 
Mary's song known as the Magnificat that was read out earlier is a quite remarkable poem. Mary says in it, The Lord has looked with favour on my lowliness and has blessed me. After all, I guess she was just a humble young female peasant. But worse than that, she was a young female peasant who got pregnant during her betrothal period, which was a big no-no in an honour-shame society. And this was a period that you had between your engagement and your marriage of a year where you didn't live together. And it was intended to avoid the disgrace of a man marrying someone who was already pregnant to somebody else. She was lowly on the social strata when she encountered God and then became even lower still in the pecking order as he got her pregnant. And by doing that would have made her a social outcast. What in the old days would have been called a woman with a past or more bluntly a her or nowadays called a skank or something worse. Pakistan and India today are honour-shame societies. And if a young woman has an illicit sexual relationship, or there's even a suggestion that she might have, her father or brother may well kill her to prevent shame coming on the family. Mary was the equivalent of the old Aranui High in the social pecking order of her day. And this is the family that Jesus was born into. No heirs, no graces here. It's the bottom of the heap, and it's pretty raw. But then the writer of Hebrews tells us that Jesus was the once and for all sacrifice for the sins of the whole world, for all of us. In other words, by far and away, the most important person who has ever lived or will ever live. In Revelation, John writes that he is the Alpha and the Omega. For us, the A and the Z, the beginning and the end, the creator and the judge. Here in Revelation 22, the very last chapter of the Bible we are called to come and trust this Hicksville peasant of socially dubious origins. Truly on that day, the last shall be first, as Jesus said so often in his ministry. We too are destined, who follow him, are destined for a glorious eternity, snuggled up to our Lord, who loved us enough to die for us even the absolute least of us, even you at your worst, whatever that might be, regardless of what school you went to, what school you dropped out of, or what school you were kicked out of. This Christmas, we remember the humble origins of the man who will lead us home to God, lead us home to glory, the Father of all things. Let's pray. Lord, in the joy and the fun of Christmas, help us to hang on to the perspective that this is all about you, your love for us, and our eternal destiny. We praise you 
that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We praise you that one day we will be completely whole in your presence forever. In your name we pray. Amen.